Hello, church leaders and friends. You've found the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, a podcast that exists to provide support for church and ministry leaders. I'm your host, Carrie Holton. And today I'm visiting with a longtime preacher of the gospel on the subject of elders and accountability. Doug Parsons started preaching when he was a student at Oklahoma Christian College and in his 55-year career as a full-time minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Doug preached for churches, local churches, in Winfield, Kansas, Humboldt, Tennessee, Overland Park, Kansas, Dell City, Oklahoma, Midland, Texas, and the Woodlands, Texas. Doug has preached in 38 different states and in many foreign countries, especially in Latin America. And I got to know Doug years ago in Oklahoma City when he preached for the Dell City Church. I remember Doug as someone who was passionate about his message. He could deliver a message with passion and enthusiasm. Doug was evangelistic. And one thing I remember about Doug is that he is a church builder. Wherever Doug went, the church grew. Recently, I had the privilege of talking with Doug about leadership and elders, and today we want to share with you that conversation with Doug. Hello, Doug. We're so glad to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you, Kerry. Thanks for the invitation. Look forward to it. Oh, I do too. Uh, before I start asking some questions, difficult questions too, I might add, uh, I want to tell our listeners a little story and tell you a story. I was talking just this morning with a friend of mine, and I was telling him that uh, I was going to talk with you later today for the podcast. And uh, he says, Doug Parsons, he says, let me tell you a story about Doug Parsons. He said, I heard Doug Parsons speak at the Oklahoma Christian Lectureships. It must have been in the 70s, he said. And he was speaking on uh, young people. He was speaking on what young people needed in the church. And he said, uh, you know, too often we just talk about uh, more trivial matters. We don't go deep into the scriptures with young people. And he said he started talking about the fact that we need to talk to our kids about Jesus and tell them who Jesus is and go deep on Jesus. He said, I just appreciate that message so much. And he said, I was going to intern that summer for a church in Chickasha, Oklahoma. He said, I took Doug's message and didn't give him credit for it. But he, <laughs> he said, he said, I, 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 I taught that message to the young people in my middle school and high school class. He said, I talked about the preexistence of Christ. I went deep on Jesus. He said, the kids loved it. He said they were tired of hearing about dating and what you shouldn't do when you dated and drinking and all of that. He said they loved it. I just thought it was impressive that my friend from the 1970s remembered your message <laughs> and how well, it that, affected others. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, encouraging to me. But, you know, it just uh, shows again, Carrie, uh, how important it is for us just to be an instrument, a channel, a channel for someone uh, uh, to hear what God has spoken to us. And I'm sure what I said wasn't necessarily original. I had a little passion and uh, it mm -hmm. caught him and ignited him and it passed it on. So that's great. That's terrific. Well, I've always been impressed with your passion in the pulpit, your, your evangelistic fervor, uh, you're a church builder. You've always been a church builder. So I just can't tell you how grateful I am that you're 
on our podcast today, Doug. Okay, let's get into this. Uh, as you know, we're talking about elders in this series on the podcast, and uh, I, I know you've got you've had a lot of experience with elders over the years in your career as a gospel preacher. So, you know, we're going to rely on your experience today, your knowledge of God's word, and and your walk with God. Uh, I want to talk today with you about accountability. You know. Doug, I don't know how you feel about this. If you disagree with me, this is going to be a short conversation. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm of the opinion that one of the reasons so many churches today seem to be struggling is that, that we, just, we just don't hold each other accountable to too many standards. And whether we're talking about ministers or church members or ministry leaders or even elders, I, in my experience, we just seem to be very hesitant to hold each other accountable. What do you think about that? Would you agree or disagree with that? Uh, I uh, I think, Carrie, accountability is uh, very important. You know, the church is a, is really a, a powerful force for good. I think it's the hope of the world. And that's always been true. Uh, but, you know, the church is flawed because it has people. It's imperfect people and people are imperfect. But the living, breathing body of Christ uh, is focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it can't fail because God can't fail. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. But I tell you, when uh, when leaders, men, imperfect men, but men who don't have the right spirit get in places of uh, responsibility and leadership and authority and don't realize that they're under the authority, all of us are under the authority, uh, then that's when problems occur. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. Uh, I really believe that if we don't understand the position of authority, you see, when I think of leadership, I, I don't think it's uh, something that just is taken. It's something that's given. And, and people give leadership to those that they trust and they allow people that they trust to influence them and to, uh, you know, give some direction and guidance. But it has to be the right kind of, uh, of, of in this case, we believe in male leadership, but women are leaders, too, uh, in different areas and different uh, categories. Mm -hmm. But it has to be a person who's under authority. Now, you know, Carrie, uh, if you want me to go further, let me just say this about authority. Uh, uh, authority really comes from submission. You know, the, uh, the ruler came to Jesus, his son, uh, his, his son was ill, and uh, he said, Jesus, uh, I, want, I, I need my son to be healed. This is in Matthew chapter 8. And so Jesus said, I'll go with you. I'll heal him. He said, no, no, I don't want you to come because I realize that you're a man under authority. I, too, am a man under authority. I say to this one, come and go. He comes and goes, do this, do that. He does that. He recognized that Jesus was under authority. And he recognized that his, uh, his authority, his leadership came because he, this centurion, this, this man over a hundred had somebody that was over him who in turn was, had someone over them. That is the idea that I think we have to have in the local church. Mm -hmm. People have to recognize they have to submit. When we submit, we then are qualified to be a better uh, example, a better leader, whatever the issue may be. But too many times, especially in, in smaller churches, they are wrecked because you get some kingpin who doesn't recognize that he has to be under authority. Yes, very good. 
Well, Doug, let's talk about those smaller churches that may have someone who acts like a kingpin. You know, in my experience, and probably yours too, I really haven't worked with elders who had that disposition or had that attitude, but I'm sure that in smaller churches, uh, there is a temptation and a, a proclivity for, for some men to think that, well, this is my church. Uh, I'll take the lead. I'll, I'll become the kingpin. So how would you hold someone like that in a smaller church accountable for their leadership? Well, Gary, here, here's, here's, the, here's the issue that, 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 I, that I faced. Uh, I was very blessed in the six churches that I served as the located minister uh, that I never had an issue uh, per se with any, didn't mean we always got along or we always agreed on everything. Mm -hmm. And I think there were several reasons for that. Let me just give you a personal experience from my first work. And I was uh, uh, located work in Winfield, Kansas. I was uh, uh, just short of my 22nd birthday. And uh, so this, this, this church was a church of 150 people, which was unusual for them to have such a young minister with, you know, only three and a half years of just driving out and preaching for churches and so on. But the point being is there was one man there, an elderly man who had a lot of wealth, had given property to the church and so on. And there was no question he was the uh, the leader of that church. Mm -hmm. And look to him. He had money. He had experience. He had maturity. He had a good wife. They were good, good people. But he had a, a sense of, Look, when I put my foot down or I say no or I say yes, that's the way it's going to be. Well, I mean, the, the way that I combated that later with more experience was, is that in the churches I served, elders had, had tenure and they had a limitation on the time served. Now, meaning that they weren't elders for life. What we decided to do, and I heard this uh, from uh, a conference uh, at a college, was that we, we decided that the church would choose its leaders and they would serve for three years. And then at the request of the congregation, after more self-examination and a period of time, if these men wanted to serve another three-year term, they could serve, but it wasn't a lifelong experience. I grew up in a, in a preacher's home. My grandfather, my, my dad were both preachers. I had uncles who were preachers. And, you know, I heard them tell stories. I mean, there was never a change in leadership. Sometimes we need to step back. We need to ask these men to step back, to relieve themselves of the responsibility. So it's not a lifelong appointment. If I'm being clear here, they serve at the will of the congregation. They serve for a time. If they want to serve again, they put themselves back up to be approved or disapproved of. To me, that is the accountability factor that has been missing in a lot of smaller churches because we don't have the experience. We don't have the depth to say to someone like my first church, look, you're a good man. But let's be sure the church wants to follow you as you follow Jesus Christ. That's the idea. That's good, Doug. Well, let me let me ask you this question then. You know, a lot of churches, in my experience, haven't practiced term limits for their elders. How what would you say to churches who don't have that practice, who who maybe have leaders who feel like it's a lifetime appointment? How in the world do you hold those men accountable 
when uh, when there's not a limitation on how long they serve? I mean, how do you hold them accountable? Some of that has to be carried uh, based on relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, I, when when I when I uh, moved to a new church, I came to serve at the uh, invitation of a group of men uh, uh, who hopefully consulted the congregation for their approval for me to become their preacher. Now then, uh, when I was in that meeting with those uh, with those elders, I said, now I haven't come to work for you. I'm going to work with you. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to take suggestions or even direction or orders, but we're going to work together as a team. So what I'm saying is, is that in smaller churches, especially young men, hopefully trained in college, hopefully reading some, maybe having a mentor, an older, experienced uh, preacher, whether it's a family member like I had, or whether it's a a professor or whatever it may be, uh, that can help them and coach them, who in turn can coach these elders to be better men, Mm -hmm. uh, to be more effective leaders. Uh, You know, uh, I don't know if you know uh, Jerry Barber or whether you've had him on your podcast. Jerry Barber is a uh, retired preacher now. He does interim preaching for churches in Middle Tennessee. Mm. He's in Nashville. But he has a a website, and he counsels elders and preachers in their relationships. You know, I get get, uh, uh, an email from him once a month of something that he's written on his website. And I have found it very effective. And I'm thinking, you know, if I was a 25-year-old preacher in a 200-member church in, say, uh, uh, McVinville, Tennessee, or Uvalde, Texas, which happens to be on my mind in prayer list because of what happened there. My point, I preached for the Uvalde church in two different times and meetings and so on. My point being is that in a country church, a rural church, a small church where you know, it's really kind of ingrown, unfortunately. You've got to have a leader, preacher, who can work as a team with these leaders that he inherits in order to affect uh, the, the, uh, the, the compassion and the example that, that leaders need. I mean, you have to, you have to stress the fact, look, uh, here, are the, here are the qualifications in Titus 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, you, you've, got to, you've got to have a good reputation. You, you, you've, got to, you've got to be kind. You can't be violent or quick-tempered or self-willed. I mean, you, you, you've got, you can't be arrogant. You, can't be, uh, you have to have self-control. I mean, if, if, if we can share in those kind of qualities, Carrie, then it seems to me like there's going to be a gradual shift uh, of, of a more a more effective leadership. Yes. Uh, if I'm hearing you right, you're saying that that ministers and elders ought to have the kind of relationship that would enable or allow a preacher to even go to a, an elder, a fellow leader, and say, "Listen, uh, this is what I see in your life, and uh, I think there might be some changes need to be made." Is that what you're saying? I I, I am saying that. I'm saying that. You know, I, I'm, I'm assuming that anyone that's li- listening to this podcast, uh, that w- really leaders have to begin with a redemptive intent. I, I've never met a leader. I've never worked with an elder slash deacon who, 
who really got involved in any kind of leadership or responsible position in a local church that wanted to, to hurt or damage anyone. I think I think they are sincere. I I, I really believe I, I can't even think of an instance uh, where I, I doubted the insincerity of an, a leader that, that I worked with. Mm-hmm. But listen, when, when, when we get under pressure, whether it's financially or some goal that's not being met, or, and, and we, you know, we crowd out the promises of God who says, look, uh, you know, God's in control of this thing. Let's just try to be the right kind of people for this situation and in this experience. And, and you know, pressure so many times makes us make mistakes. So we just need to we need to really be sure that we've got an esprit de corps, uh, some some kind of uh, of morale that we're all on a team and we're humble, we're accountable to one another. We can talk to one another. We can we you know we can confess our faults to one another. Uh, when you build that kind of atmosphere, Carrie, I tell you there is a, there, there's nothing that is impossible with God, and God can use those kind of people. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. An honesty, a transparency between, and I'm using the term again, uh, men, uh, for men to work together if they're going to have any kind of uh, way for God to bless them as a group. Yes. And, you know, I think it's important, and I'd love to hear your comments on this, that, that if, if there needs to be a confrontation between uh, leaders in the church who respect and love each other, but who see a need for some kind of change, then they need to confront each other and have a conversation without tearing up the church. Uh, you know, I, th- I think so. You know, the human tip- temptation is, is that we want our way. And so often, you know, we, we, uh, we want to uh, 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 have the last word. And when that happens, and I think uh, a preacher, uh, a minister has to stay in the word. He has to really be patient. He's, you know, a lot of times these guys, uh, uh, all of us are working kind of at a disadvantage because somebody has the power to hire and to fire and so on. But we need to have some healthy habits, habits of, of uh, prayer, of scripture reading. I know I think an elders meeting, for example, is not just a, a meeting about church business. I think it ought to be preceded by and in the last 20 years of elders meetings that I uh, participated in, we always had some scripture, we had some prayer, we had some discussion of spiritual things, and then we went to whether it had to be the budget or whether it had to be uh, some uh, issue, uh, you know, that we were concerned about in the church or whatever it was, we then we discussed or voiced our opinions about those, but it set a whole different atmosphere. Mm-hmm. When we when we preceded that hard conversation with prayer, with reading from God's word, with some sharing of ideas and discussion with more prayer. I mean, it, it just makes it easier. It just makes it easier to discuss those hard things. Yes. So good. Folks, I know you joined me in thanking Doug for his taking the time and making the effort to join us on this podcast. I really feel like Doug said so many things that are worthy of reflection and worthy of consideration. Among them, that all of us are under authority. 
that we're all under the authority of someone, that that leadership is given, that it's not taken, that leadership is based on trust and that trust must be earned, that elders serve at the pleasure and the will of the church, that we should not see the position of elder in the church as a lifetime appointment, that we need to be building the kind of close Christian relationships that would allow elders and ministers and other leaders to speak truth into someone's life. So many things he said that I appreciated, and I know that our listeners, you, our listeners, will also appreciate thinking about things he said. I did ask Doug another question which did not make the recording. The question was, what do you wish elders knew or understood about ministers? And I think his answer was very insightful, instructive. He, he recalled that he had many speaking engagements as a minister of the gospel over the years. He spoke at conferences. He spoke at lectureships. He spoke at many, many revivals. He spoke at special events. He, he told of when he would preach twice on Sunday morning and once on Sunday night. And he said, after all that speaking, there were times when I was spiritually dry And he said, I wish the elders had allowed me to recharge in some way, to take the time that I needed to be spiritually rejuvenated. I share that answer with you church leaders because I want to encourage you to keep an eye on your preacher. Keep an eye on your preacher. Recognize the difficulty of his work, the work that you've asked him to do. It's it's difficult at at best. Recognize his need for rest and especially his need for spiritual rejuvenation. I think that would be a wonderful thing if church leaders, and many do, if church leaders kind of took their preacher under their wing and said, listen, we want to help you in every way that we can. We want to give you what you need as you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, as you preach the word of God. So so let us know when when you need a break. (laughs) Let us know when you need to, to rest a spell. All right. Well, that's all for this week, folks. Plan to join us next week as we intend to bring you another podcast episode in our series on elders. And again, remember that if you have questions that you would like us to address in future episodes, maybe on the topic of elders, maybe on any other topic, if you have a comment that you'd like to make on something you heard on this podcast and you want to ask more questions about it or you want to provide an input, Please know that we would love to hear from you, and you can send those questions and those comments to hello at EffectiveChurchLeaders.com. That's EffectiveChurchLeaders.com. God bless. God bless.